Hi, I'm John. And I'm Cecilia. Welcome to Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks. Hey, Crazy Cats. Welcome to yet another edition of Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks. You know how I usually give this over-the-top, overblown, crazy, silly, somewhat biographical introduction of my guests? Our guest tonight does not need that. And John won't let me introduce him as Randy from the Ghost Getters. <laughs> so I'm not going to go over the top and give a big, huge introduction. I just want to say a big, huge welcome to our guest tonight, Mr. Steve Gonzalez. Welcome, Steve. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, chat for a little bit here about all the stuff that we're into, paranormal and, and all that fun stuff. Well, the first thing I want to say is happy belated birthday. Thanks. It's really nice of you. Thank you. Been a, yeah, it's been a good birthday week. I've had a good good time. Did you get to get some time off to go be birthday boy? Oh, um, no. Um, didn't, didn't do anything on, uh, on my birthday that required uh, being anywhere. I stayed home with my cat and uh, saw my family, and that was about it. You have cats? Yeah, I have one cat. Yep. She's a, a rag doll. And oh. uh, her name's Fleur. Oh, see, see, this was meant to be. This was meant to be crazy cats. Steve has a cat. See that? You may hear our cats in the background. If you hear our cats in the background, don't worry about it. <laughs> Pretty French flower. Okay. They they get they get uh, very vocal. All right, I have a, a very important question for you. Okay. And it's a question about you that keeps me up at night. Hmm. I, I, it just it's a, it's a distraction to me. I, I I just really need your input on this. We've you, had discussions here. We've had discussions on this. <laughs> okay, you got it. You and Dave, what's with the blue shirt with the polka dots? Is it demonic or possessed? Because it's there, but then even scarier, John's got one in his closet. But we don't know how it got there. I don't even know why I have one in my closet, but I have one of those we shirts. We don't know where it came from. So what's with the blue shirt? You know, we have a lot of similar shirts, um, but his uh, actually, if you zoom in, I'm pretty sure they're actually ice cream cones. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one time, uh, somebody actually came up to us, and they're like, you guys really look like you work at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's oh, us. You had the craziest <laughs> shirts on. <laughs> yeah, we work at Chuck E. Cheese. That's us. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out how that one got into John's shirt. Nobody remembers buying it. We've never seen it. And no. all of a sudden, it was just there. <laughs> oh, and you never worked at Chuck E. Cheese? No, I've never worked at Chuck E. Cheese, and I've never worn this shirt. I'm looking forward <laughs> to trying it on. I was in a Chuck E. Cheese once when the girls were little. <laughs> Does that count? Oh, nice. Um, I read somewhere that you started actually doing investigations when you were a teenager. Yeah. Why? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what got you um, to that? I was always interested uh, in, in the paranormal. I uh, was intrigued by it. Um, I remember when I was a, a little kid being kind of afraid of it. Um, but, you know, it wasn't until I was maybe 15 or 16 uh, until I started actually um, investigating in the capacity where I, you know, I was sort of lending a hand uh, to people and that sort of thing. But it, it stemmed from an interest. Yeah, teenage years, I started my late teenage years. I worked for uh, the Warrens uh, for a, a brief oh. point. Uh, and that was uh, pretty awesome. Uh, you know, I, I met uh, Mr. John Zaffis. 
uh, I think when I was 14 years old, maybe, or 15. So uh, a bit of a, a history in terms of, you know, knowing John and, and even some, some people in the field here. So you've pretty much been around it forever. Well, for quite some time, yeah, um, at least. Uh, I mean, gosh, I'd say from 43 years old. Oh, sorry, yeah, gosh, yeah, uh, 25 years or something, wow. I'd say. I, I mean, I don't... I, it's, can't do the math right now. But, uh, <laughs> That's close enough. Yeah. Hey, when, when you get up there in yeah. years, the math escapes you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure does. <laughs> Along with some other things. So you mentioned that you, you actually got to spend some time with the Warrens. Did did you go up to the house? I mean, you were right there. Did you get to go to the house, the Conjuring house? No, no, never visited. Well, the, the Conjuring house, uh, this... You know that was a long, long before my t- my time. Um, I, I wasn't involved with that stuff uh, at all. But I did investigate uh, the Conjuring House uh, with uh, taps uh, on Ghost Hunters. We did that uh, house, I think, during our first season back in two thousand and three or something like that. Uh, so I, I have been there. I, I had investigated it, but when it was in the hands of the Warrens and, and mm-hmm. you know and, and that sort of thing, uh, I didn't have anything to do with it. So you wake up one day, you're involved in the paranormal, you're young, right? You go on with your, your young teenage years, you graduate high school, you decide to go into law enforcement? Were you a police officer? Yeah. Um, well, I wasn't a teenager. I was already in my 20s uh, when I went into law enforcement. I was uh, actually a jeweler with uh, my dad. How cool. Uh, at a, a chain, he had a, a few jewelry stores. And um, went to the police academy at the same time and uh, became a, a police officer uh, in my early 20s, I mean, 22. But yeah, I did that for, for quite some time. I actually became an EMT before that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I didn't work very long as an EMT. It was sort of school on what they call the rig for a couple of months. And, and then I was out of that into the police academy but yeah i did uh, give a good uh, good bit of research there <laughs> research stalking semantics, yeah, right. semantics. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you go from being a police officer to being part of taps and then on to the ghost hunter franchise which you guys started that um when i joined forces with jay it was actually before i was a, a police officer uh, I met Jay when I, I think I was 18 or 19 years old. Uh, we started talking about the paranormal for a bit. Uh, I had my own team called uh, New England Paranormal. I was investigating and, and doing some lectures, and I had a, taught a class at the Boston Center for Adult Education about the paranormal. This was in my uh, early 20s as well. And that's uh, when I joined forces with Jay. Then about, gosh, I want to say maybe two years after that, Jay changed the name of the team. It was Rhode Island Paranormal. Then it became the Atlantic Paranormal Society. Yeah, and that happened in my early 20s. So from 20 or 21, I was already investigating with with Jay and uh, with Grant and the team there. Did you get pushback from the community on that? Because it wasn't, it wasn't as popular then. Um, yeah, yeah. Not from the paranormal community, but from just people on the street. Yeah, you you couldn't uh, tell people what you did or else you were kind of made fun of, you know. So 
uh, we just did it because we had fun and we loved it. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We're sort of, if not made fun of, uh, definitely sort of raised an eyebrow too. Well, yeah. Yeah, so, but that was one of the reasons we said we were approached with the thought of doing television. Uh, we had said no for a few years, and you know, one of the main reasons was that we couldn't bring a television crew to people's houses. Nobody wanted anybody to know their house was haunted. You know, it was a secret. Right. So yeah, so we didn't. Uh, we we're like, how can we bring a television crew? Yeah. So it was uh, a little bit tough in the beginning. So we said no for a few years, but. Eventually, I think it was in 2003, we, we said, all right, let's do this. They wore you down? And we did. <laughs> uh, well, you know, there was one company, Pilgrim Films and Television, who finally just said, hey, we've been talking to you guys for a bit now. We think this idea could be a, a television show. You know, we didn't even know people did this kind of thing. So we're going to do it. You know, we're going to try to do it with or without you guys. And I remember... They said, uh, how do you want the field to be represented? You know, you have a chance right now to sort of show the whole world, you know, that there's a field of people out there who do this. And how do you want that field to be represented? And that was sort of what made us, you know, tip our decision a little bit. I remember that conversation. Did you guys ever think when you said, okay, why not? Let's do this. That you all, TAPS and, and all of this, would write the playbook for the field? Like, for the future? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, no, we didn't. Uh, it was kind of, it, it happened. It was, it was kind of interesting because, you know, people who were already in the field know we didn't invent EVP. We didn't, you know, we weren't the first ones to pick up an EMF gauge. Uh, that was all, you know, pioneered before us, that sort of thing. But it just wasn't, not that it wasn't accepted. It just, uh, society didn't really even know it happened. It was, uh, you know, who knows why necessarily. But then all of a sudden, you know, we would have people saying that they're using these certain techniques and, and different things. And it's like, oh, I actually remember making that word up. Weird. <laughs> now it's like a thing, you know, or I remember, really, wow, they, they took it. And now it's, you know, a phrase that's used in the field. It's like, oh, gosh. I remember making that up on the spot when some producer was like, well, what do you guys call it? And I was like, oh, we call it tagging. Like, you know, that's what we call it. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, but now, you know, it's a common word. Uh, so that stuff uh, happens and uh, it's pretty cool to be a, a part of that. I, I've got to ask you, again, something else that keeps me up at night. It is Steve, it is Jay, and it's Tango. How come it's not Steve and Jay and Dave? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he's always been Tango since we met him. We just always call him Tango. Uh, that just sort of stuck. Sometimes I call him Dave, um, but it, it feels weird. We'll both look at each other and be like, oh, why'd you do that? I was like, I don't know. It felt weird. You what know? was that, like, Ross? Uh, yeah, no, I don't call him Dave too often. Not many people do. Most people call him Tango. Dude, I watched your show for years. For seasons, I watched your show before I knew his first name was Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. His name is is not a... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that would be a pretty cool first name, I suppose. Tango? Mm -hmm. We'll just call yeah, him Tango Tango. Yeah, Tango Tango. Let's just keep it simple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or how about Yo Tango? Uh, for, for a while, some uh, I think it was Dustin just called him Jersey. That was all the, how we referred to him. He didn't call him Dave or Tango. Just called him Jersey. <laughs> Poor guy. Like, hey, Jersey. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Dave was... He was 18 when we met him, so he, he didn't care much. Boy, boys will be boys with their nicknames. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you have any experiences that kind of sat with you? I mean, you've done hundreds and hundreds of these. Yeah. um, I've had some things happen over the years, you know, that uh, I haven't seen a ghost. You know, I'd love that to happen someday. But uh, It's unsettling. I'll tell you that right now. Experienced... uh, (laughs) experienced plenty of things that I, I can't explain. There are experiences that stick with me, and, and it's usually things like slamming of doors or hearing direct responses or when objects move, that's pretty startling. Yeah. That sort of. Uh, it, it's not usually a visual. Uh, I've had some visuals where I've seen things that I certainly can't explain. Uh, Myrtle's Plantation uh, is, is one that comes to mind. But... Not, uh, you know, nothing that is, has made me really, you know, say, ooh, I need to take a, you know, a minute from this and figure out what I'm experiencing. Uh, it's all things that have kept me, you know, in the field and, and sort of moving forward. I'm thinking about an episode I saw. I'm just trying to remember what season it was from, if it was from Ghost Nation's last season or if it was a rerun from an earlier rendition of you going down into a cellar. Does this ring any mm-hmm. bells to you? Um, I mean, and you running up the down stairs, down <laughs> you running up the stairs. <laughs> we go down in those. You've been in many cellars, I would place. imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every episode, we're in a cellar somewhere. Oh yeah! Oh, that well, one time I went well, down in a cellar. Th- this, is, this, this is one. This is one where you went down the cellar. I won't say scream like a girl, but then ran back up. I do remember that. That was uh, yeah, Ghost Nation season one, and. Um, one thing that kind of sucked about that is the reason that I wanted to go up those stairs and the reason why Dave just said, well, go up there is because we were hearing footsteps and we knew that there was you know, nobody else in the house. So we didn't know where those were coming from. But as I ran up to see where they were coming from, I ran into all those spiders and uh, that's what happened. I screamed and jumped down. I think I blacked out too. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That happens. It's weird. It's not like I black out and pass out, but I'll sort of like a second later be like, oh, what happened? Where am I? What's oh going no. On? You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it's like my brain goes somewhere else. And, and your darling friends just sit there and laugh. Usually. Usually. <laughs> What's the matter, John? Steve, I'm sorry. Hang on one second. Something's crawling on my screen, man. Oh, oh. Don't. Don't say that. I think it's a black widow. Oh, I think it's a black don't, widow spider. Don't tease him about spiders. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, he's, um, he's pulling your leg. Although um, we do have a lot of spiders <laughs> in our house, so you may never want to come stay here. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't do uh, do too well with, with those things. All right, I got to ask you, this came up. You know, I talked to, to Brad, John, and Alice, and Kendall, and Farrah. This came up repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Steve test. Oh, uh, I, I think what you're referring to is they, they call it the Steve filter, these guys. Yes, yes, <laughs> the Steve filter. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm very strict oh, yeah. You know, when it comes to evidence and things that um, I consider, you know, something viably paranormal. And, uh, you know, and sometimes it, it doesn't make people mad, but, you know, maybe sometimes people think I'm a little too strict, you know. So they, they started calling it the, the Steve filter. Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> And even that ball, you know, uh, you've seen that uh, in the documentary. And I'd had a tough time getting it back. That may have been what, you know, coined that phrase, the Steve filter. It took a while, you know, for me to really 
dig into that phenomenon. I would think if if anything would pass the Steve filter, it would have to be that. I mean that that was uh, I think everyone agrees that's seen it and experienced it. It's just uh, you can't debunk it. I mean it. <laughs> the one they show in the documentary, sure, but it happened before that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I I can see why Steve would say, hmm, I didn't see what happened. I can't test the area. So I can see that. Yeah. You know, if it was just phenomena from a distance, you know, something that someone told me about, or even if I, you know, I'd probably, you know, think about it with a raised eyebrow. Well, balls roll. You know, that's what happens. Of course, it's going to roll, you know. And, but we looked into all that stuff. You know, we looked into gas pockets underneath the house. You know, we talked to geologists. And we couldn't get a geologist to talk to us on camera, but, you know, through the process of trying to find one to talk to us on camera, I got to talk to, you know, 20 or 30 of them and was still able to pick their brain and get some information. Um, Physicists, you know, we looked into just about everything. And I'm not quite sure how to explain that, but a lot of that stuff happening at that house is Mm -hmm. pretty intense. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Steve, you guys, I know you have... A whole network, right? You've got this big, huge network. You've got paranormal investigators all around the country who can reach out to you and say, hey, I've got this case, right? Mm-hmm. So you probably get inundated. You guys probably get inundated with requests. What made you say, yes, Alice? Well, yeah, we, we get a, a, a tremendous amount of cases. That one didn't come through our, mm-hmm. you know, our, our typical sort of network there. You know, that was a case that came to my attention through other investigators and actually um, someone who works in the the business side of the industry had said, uh, you know, in in passing, just he knew of this house that a few people had been to that had some interesting things. And I was intrigued. And at one point, you know, they, they just kept reaching out to me through whoever they could reach out to me through, you know, whether it be an agent or, uh, you know, another investigator or whoever it was. So eventually I, I, you know, started talking to them and then uh, made a visit out there. But that one, it was mostly, you know, Alice and the people there that made me go there uh, and investigate it uh, the first time that I went. Uh, Just how sincere and and sweet Alice is. Oh, God, she's wonderful. uh, You know, the local investigators, how cool they are and, and, uh, yeah, it, and I'm glad I went. Obviously, you know, it was uh, made some really good friends, and uh, you know, was able to investigate that amazing house. It was pretty awesome. Is there any plans to bring the rest of your crew over there? No, I, I don't think so. That, that's uh, you know, that's all up to Alice and what she's doing from this point with the house. Uh, you know, she she wants to continue its research, which is good. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times bringing uh, you know bringing a, a television crew to some places isn't, isn't the best way to service you know that case of that haunting. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there are times when we have cases that it would be great for an audience to see, but it's not necessarily what's best for the client. So we, we decide that that's not a case, you know, that we'll consider for, you know, televised purposes, that sort of thing. It has to be a fair balance for everybody. I am so glad he says this. Yeah, it would be even just the hoopla that's, you know, going on around our house right now. Uh, if it had, you know, continuous coverage in terms of a, a TV show, you know, it could be even more uh, intense for her. I'm glad that you say that. I really am. There's there's a lot of folks in the industry who wouldn't have thought twice, right, about bringing in their crews and stomping all over the place. But you go guys go in even with your show with your your regular clients that you have on the show. 
you go in there and delicate's not the right word, but you treat everybody with such respect and you're just so good with them. Well, consideration. Consideration, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty impressive because you don't see that as much as you would like to see that <laughs> in the industry. Uh, thanks. Uh, you know, I, I think a, a lot of the current state of the industry, you know, all they know is, you know, the television side of it. If you're, say you're, you know, 25, 26 years old or 18, 19, 17, 16, the last 15 years, 16, 17 years since they were eight or nine, seven years old has been just this world of paranormal investigating on television. And a lot of people don't even realize that there's a reason to do it unless you want to be on TV. You know, I've talked to people who are like, oh, you actually really do it? Like, what do you mean? Of course. They're like, you're, it's not just for your show? It's like, what, what do you mean? I don't understand. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so a lot of people who, you know, get into the field and try to get onto TV and they're in, they realize TV isn't happening. They leave the field. Uh, and that's strange, you know. So that might have something to do with it, you know, whereas they don't really remember the the time before it, you know. So maybe at no fault of their own, it's just all they know is that sort of, uh, you go in with a television crew and investigate it and, and that's it. You know, we've, we've had people who do things so exact to the show that they'll spend 10, 15 minutes and, and we went in that room. Yeah, we're in there for like, just like you guys, 15 minutes. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 that's oh. on the show, 15 minutes. Like, we were in there for seven days. Right, you know, <laughs> right, day. right. <laughs> you know, like, uh, just because you see it, you know, edited down on television, that's not how it is in real life. Uh, not at all. <laughs> that's something I like about you guys is, is you guys... You do a true investigation. I know you condense a week down into a half an hour or 40 minutes or whatever, but it's actual investigation. You're not, there's no theatrics. There's no, you know, oh my God, I saw a dust and it must be an orb. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's this blend of trying to figure out a logical reason before you jump to a paranormal reason. Yeah. Rule out all the, all the science and the logic. There needs to be more of that. Thank you. Yeah, we 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 try to to do it, you know, to keep that sort of in in our heads that not everything is a ghost, you know, and uh, we need to find out what it really is because you're not doing any favors to anybody if you're misinterpreting or you know what you're experiencing. Agreed. You're not helping the client. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping the field. Right. You know, you're not doing any good whatsoever. Uh, so being a little more thorough. Uh, I think is is quite good, but you know, because you talk to a lot of investigators, you know, the average case lasts, you know, four months to to probably two years. Uh, it's not like you just go in, a, you know, if you're a paranormal team, you don't just go in for a weekend. Uh, that's your case, and you're done. You know, the, an average case is four months to two years. But on Ghost Nation, it's the closest that I've ever seen you know, in the world of paranormal mm-hmm. television uh, in terms of it being a full investigation. And on, you know, our previous show, you see a preliminary investigation and then it's handed over to a, a local team, that sort of thing. But right. on Ghost Nation, we, we go full full steam. And when you see these episodes that are two hours long and we've, you know, we're just two episode, two seasons in and there's, you know, three or four of them, maybe even five that have become two-hour episodes. They don't start off as two hours. You know, that's because we tell them that, 
hey, if we leave now, we're not helping these people. We need more time. You know, yeah. we just figured out that this guy just died here, you know, and, and he was mad at his, you know, his brother-in-law. Let's, we have to figure this out or we're not helping it, you know, and, and they let us take that time, which is great. You know, they, they let us do what we need to do to do a, a full and thorough investigation. So there, there have been times when we've been at a location with Ghost Nation for, you know, a few weeks. And uh, as long as the family's okay with it, we'll stay until the, the case is done. You ever have a family that is not okay with it? It's like, hey, I know we called you in here, but, you know, you've been here for two weeks. Get out. No, not really. Cool. No, usually by the time we leave... We're pretty close with the family. Yeah. I mean, most of the time we investigate, you know, that they're at a hotel or, or something. It's not like they're staying there. They, they, they hand, you know, their house over to us. So I'm sure that there's a, they want to get back in their house and have some sense of normalcy. But I, I can't remember a, a family really being like, oh, man, you guys, come on. Like, get out of here. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm going to miss you guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. <Keep in> touch, <laughs> you know? Cool, cool. Um, but they're still... And that says a lot about you. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are clients from season one of Ghost Centers that I still talk to. Season, uh, you know, of Ghost Nation that uh, we still talk to quite often. So it's pretty cool. I noticed that you guys were using a fog machine this season. Do you have any favorite equipment that you like to use? Yeah, uh, we we did, we've been using the uh, low lying fog. It's important to note that not that it has to be, but you use that low lying fog. You keep it thick into the ground so your your eyes you know can stay focused, uh, and you see that move around without a source. It's pretty dang awesome. And we've been getting some interesting results with it. Uh, we have some sonar equipment that we've been using. Sonar? That you'll see in uh, season two. And it's different than the sonar that we started using already. You know, in uh, the first few episodes of, of season two that aired just before the, the pandemic there, we were using some sonar. And you'll see it in, you know, there's an episode called The Witching Tree and that's one where we dug up a, a tree. I think it was mm-hmm. episode two of season two. Um, we had sonar there. I remember that. But this sonar uh, is just a, a next level where you can actually move around. You can hold it and walk around with it. And it interprets everything it's seeing in real time. And it's quite awesome. So uh, that is probably my favorite piece of, of new equipment. It's literally like having a, a visual readout of the space you're in, uh, right in front of you, in a in a you know a visual display, and anything with mass that moves around in that space, it maps and shows you, and it's there in real time, right in front of you. So it's it's pretty amazing. So back to the low lying fog. Is that a CO two? <laughs> your attention. Yeah. Is that a uh, compressed carbon dioxide, dry ice based thing rather than a heated liquid? Oh yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, you run it through. Uh, the dry ice as it comes out, uh, there's, a, there's a, a huge hopper that holds it. Once it starts to dissipate, the technique's over. You know, it's the last thing we do at the end of the night. And uh, once it starts to dissipate and sort of seep, uh, we're done. You know, our investigation's over. So. Well, and then it's time to hit the punch bowl because now it's effervescent. That's right. That's absolutely right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> yep. We actually had it work, and I don't know if I can, we actually literally just filmed it maybe two or three weeks ago, where you see something move into it, and it's, Ooh. Ooh. 
you know, there's no source from it. You know, where it came from is now filled in with smoke. So this is now just in the middle of the room. Oh, how cool. And it's cool. walking towards us, you know. Walking towards you? Yes. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it was pretty pretty cool. That'll be on this season? Yeah. All right, good. So now we got something really to look forward to here. I know we only have you for a few more minutes, so I'm making a sad face about that. Oh. What's coming up for you guys? We have, uh, oh, luckily, uh, I think 15, 14 or 15 more episodes that air for season two here. And they're all different in regards of that. The ones that you're seeing now have been filmed during this you know, COVID and, and quarantine. So we've been able to focus quite a bit on the investigation and, and digging into the research and certain aspects of the research, you know, because we weren't really able to go to museums and, and historical societies. No, but we had no. a lot of historians dropping off literature to us, you know, and, and giving us oh, maps cool. and facts yeah, fantastic. And, and emailing. And so we were still able to do some, but it really allowed us to focus on instead of, you know, having years of worth of data coming at you and trying to figure out, you know, because we're only there for a certain amount of time and I'm making a name up, but how long are you going to try to talk to George Henry, you know, when you know that there's a a gentleman there named Dave Thomas who passed away, you know, it really helped us focus on certain areas that we thought we had better chances of success. And that actually worked to, to our advantage. Do you do your own research, or do you have like a red shirt intern go out and do it? It comes at us in a few different ways. You know, we we make phone calls and we go there, and we you know you'll see us actually digging through documents mm-hmm. and and. Um, but what's kind of fun is a lot of times when we you know if we call a historical society and say hey you know I'm Steve from you know whatever it is and uh, you know you, whether I'm calling on behalf of TAPS or the United Paranormal Research Organization whatever it is. You know, by the time we actually get there, a lot of times they've pulled things that we Very cool. couldn't even have, have thought of, you know, because we're not professional researchers like they are, you know. So they'll be like, oh, we actually pulled this and, and got this, and there's this deed to this house and this, and, you know, just because they have the name, they know who you're looking for. So they just start pulling everything, you know. And a lot of times, if you don't necessarily know how to do research as thoroughly as it should be done, which I'm not a researcher by trade. I, you know, I, I am. <laughs> don't try to do this thoroughly. We'll see. So yeah. So you know, I, I, they pull records for us that we wouldn't even think of, it. and so it makes our jobs very easy because I'll end up pulling out something and I'll be like, oh, okay, so that person died here. It'd be interesting to see if they also, you know, owned the the home at that time. Right. Right. But I may not have thought to pull, you know, the documents, whereas. A historian's like, oh, I actually already pulled the, the deed in the house. And, this, and it's like, oh, gosh, okay, thank All you. All the title <laughs> transfer history I don't have to know. <laughs> Here's a giant packet for you. Yeah. You've got a Halloween special coming up. Yeah. This may air the day or two after it, but you want to tell us about it? Yeah, that uh, was a um, quite a surprise, you know, and, and a nice surprise. We, we uh, The stars just sort of lined up where we were at a place. Seaview uh, Terrace, and, and we're investigating, and we realized we needed more time, and, and we needed some hands, you know, some extra hands, and some uh, fellow investigators. And I think it was Jay that sort of cocked his head to the side and was like, "Doesn't Amy live nearby? Like fifteen or twenty minutes, you know?" And Adam's only like two hours away, 
And uh, I was like, gosh, if they have time, that would be amazing. You know, because they're, they're both busy. Who knows where they are, what they're up to. But they, they were around and was like, oh, of course, we'll come hang out with you guys and investigate that place. And, uh, it worked out great. It was uh, actually the first time Amy and I ever investigated together, which was really awesome. We've investigated on the same team together, you know, obviously for 10 years, but um, never together as a duo, you know, just going in and, and seeing what we come up with. That was a lot of fun. We have uh, very different but very similar styles at the same time. It's quite interesting. I learned a lot from Amy, actually. It was very cool. We had some amazing activity. We caught some things that I can't explain, some voices. And uh, one thing from the science aspect of it, we, we captured some uh, anomalies in terms of just their energy readings. And we are able to you know, track their movement and uh, where they were going and how they were interacting with us. And uh, that, to me, was so fascinating. As a matter of fact, when we, you know, wrapped up for the night because the sun was coming up, I didn't leave. I couldn't leave. I just said to Jay and to, you know, the other investigators and to the production company, I said, you guys can leave. Like, consider me off the clock with everybody. Like, I'm done too, but I can't leave and go back to the hotel. Like, I need to go down there and continue to study this. This doesn't happen, you know. So I did. I went down there and, and documented it. Uh, with, you know, the gadgets we had until it completely dissipated. But uh, that was awesome. Oh, I am so looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, you know, television is great, and, it, and it, we, we, you know, we owe it to our audience to show them everything that we're doing. But, you know, unfortunately, just because it was time for the cameras to stop rolling, I just couldn't stop investigating that, you know, because I'm a paranormal investigator. Mm-hmm. I needed to figure that out. You know, I didn't <laughs> right. know if I would ever come across that again. Of course. Uh, so... Yeah, I went back down there and, and dug dug a little deeper into it. Can you tell our listeners when it's going to be on? Yeah, that actually is Halloween night at 8 p.m. Eastern, and uh, it runs for two hours. It's a two-hour special at Seaview Terrace. They're calling it Reunion in Hell, just in case this airs <laughs> after it airs. You can look it up by uh, title name, Reunion in Hell. And, uh, yeah, it uh, really is... Uh, quite uh, a fun investigation. It was like a mystery and some really interesting things happened. I don't want to tell you too much, but there was a, a warlock in there carving things into you know the, the floor of one of the rooms during a ritual. While you were there? Um, yeah. The, we had a, an uptick in activity that centered around a recent death. I'll let you see where that came from. Wow. We exposed this like high society sort of life that was happening at the, the mansion where they were you know, looking through peepholes, through walls, and like really cool, but mysterious stuff. It really is like a, a mystery, uh, which, you know, you're very familiar with the paranormal in the field. It's The paranormal in the history is always there, but it's not always a really cool mystery, you know. Right. Uh, and this was a very, very cool mystery. It was, it was awesome. Wow, I am excited about seeing this. Me too. Listeners, if this airs after Saturday... Make sure you go back and, I'm not sure, where can they watch it if they miss it? They can get it on the Travel Channel Go app. There you go. uh, Or on the Travel Channel website. There you go, listeners. Travel Channel Go. Steve, I know we got to wrap up. I know your time is pretty much non-existent. Uh, Do you have any tips for somebody who is just starting out? You know, do's or don'ts or best practices? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, if you're a younger investigator, 
Because some people, let's face it, they're, they're, they're getting into the, in the field, you know, at 14, 15, 16 years old. If you're a little bit younger, keep common sense about you and, and uh, you know, don't think everything is a ghost. Don't uh, forget to keep your flashlight handy. You might be inclined to forget that quite often, but it is quite valuable. <laughs> uh, try to keep a notebook so yep. that you can uh, really log your experiences and what's happening and what's going on around you. If you're a little bit older and you're looking to really get into the field in a professional way, I think having a, a good understanding of energy is very important and understanding how it can and can't interact with the environment is, is pivotal for the paranormal field. And that really is, is particle physics, right? And something I keep in, in mind is if it disobeys the laws of science, then most likely what I'm seeing or experiencing is not happening. I'm misinterpreting this experience uh, or it's in my head in some capacity, whether it's a you know, a telephonic or audiophonic visual, or if it's literally in my head because I've, you know, didn't get enough sleep or something. Yeah. But if it disobeys the laws of science, most likely what you're experiencing, uh, you need to take another look at it because you you might be misinterpreting it, and that's quite important, you know. And, and uh, some people may raise an eyebrow to that, but it just puts you in a mindset. For instance, if you see a a shadow on a wall you'd say, oh gosh, that's not a ghost because a shadow can't produ be produced without mass. And if something you know, produced enough mass that it could create a shadow, then I would have to be able to see it with my eyes, not just the shadow. So it's not just a shadow. So what is creating a shadow? And now you know it's not a ghost. You could figure it out. You know, and then it helps you think intent. You know, okay, shadow on a wall, what would the intent be? There is no intent there. It would just be in the room. It would show itself. It wouldn't you know, put itself on a wall. So then it's, you start disproving things without even realizing you're disproving things. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that I would think that way if I didn't sort of study scientifically a little bit. How would you classify EVPs then? Because those kind of go against science, don't you think? I, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so. I think it's very scientific. Um, everything in the universe, according to science, can be measured in energy, frequency, and vibration. And audio is all three of those things, right? You wouldn't be able to hear anything in the environment without frequency, vibration, uh, or energy. And so uh, I, I think that's a, a, a very scientific phenomena. I don't think it, it falls. I mean, it falls into paranormal because it's not explained. But I'm not sure that uh, when you get this voice that you're necessarily, um, you know, dealing with... Uh, an intelligent being that is there in the environment. Uh, if you are, which I do believe that is true, uh, I do think that can be as scientific as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, everything that we're dealing with in terms of the paranormal is science-based. It's steeped in science and it stems uh, from you know science. And uh, so I think it goes hand in hand. I do. Even the unexplained part of it? So even the parts of this that we can't explain through the science that we currently understand and know, it's still scientific. Absolutely, for sure. You know, uh, for instance, if you talk to physicists right now, even if they don't personally believe that, you know, uh, there are interdimensional beings and that sort of thing, uh, they do believe in other dimensions, you know, because right. uh, even though that science isn't proved right now, they believe that it's science of 
of the future. Yes. You know, so uh, there are ways to look at things and, you know, EVPs and, and different paranormal phenomena, you know, uh, could it be solely, you know, just a, a spiritual experience? Sure. Uh, but even still, there has to be something producing these uh, sounds and visuals for our physical bodies to be able to interpret them. If anything, you know, interacts with our physical environment here, then that becomes science and it, it takes it out of spirituality. Yep. So that's just how, but I, you know, I'm a, a Roman Catholic, strongly believe in spirituality and religion. I clearly believe in, in the paranormal, you know, <laughs> um, so uh, uh, I think that it goes hand in hand. You know, I, I raise an eyebrow uh, and, and might even give a, a scowl to, you know, the, the science community who... Not a Steve scowl. I don't believe the paranormal is possible. And it's it's the majority of them, sadly. But uh, there are some out there, you know, Dr. Greg Braden and, and, and a few others who I do believe in, in the, the possibility of, of both, you know, uh, science and spirituality. But... Uh, you're right uh, that it's not always a, a road that's uh, traveled by both scientists and paranormal explorers. We are very left-brained scientific people, so we do try to take things apart and figure it out from the inside out. Smart. It's like a kindred uh, kindred soul here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thank you, Steve, so much for taking time out of your crazy schedule to come and hang out with us crazy cats for a little while. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you got it. My pleasure. Thank you. It was nice to talk to you guys. I appreciate it. Come back anytime, dude. All right. Take care. Hey, if you like what you hear, and how could you not? We are freaking adorable. Check us out as Crazy Cat Paranormal on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. The links will be in the show notes.